In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So, this Sunday, we celebrate the ascension of Jesus into heaven. I love Ascension Day. Because I think it's one of the forgotten key moments in the gospel story. And I know that it's also one of the gospel stories where it's really easy to not see the story because you're too busy worrying about whether or not it could have possibly happened. (laughs) Charles is one. But, however it may or may not have happened, whether it's metaphor, however you need to deal with that, the reality is, is that the teaching of the church around what happens at Ascension, if we think and engage with that, it can yield surprising insight, I think, for us all in our Christian lives as to what Jesus actually does through being incarnate, through living, through dying, through rising and ascending. And certainly the early church viewed the celebration of the ascension as one of the key days of the church's year. It's one of the um, universally celebrated feasts um, alongside Christmas, Easter and Pentecost. So what's so important about the ascension of Jesus into heaven? What might we learn by focusing on that on this Sunday? Well, the ascension is recorded in Mark and Luke and Acts and in John's Gospel. There are three references to the ascension. Uh, in Jesus' own words. It's referred to in Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, 1 Timothy and 1 Peter. So, um, ascension, the ascension is an event that the early church holds and continues to tell the story of. Now, Ascension Day is always a Thursday. It's the sixth Thursday after Easter. That's last Thursday and it's 40 days after Easter. So 40 days from Easter Sunday was last Thursday. And what a difference those 40 days has made in the gospel narrative to the disciples. In the gospel story, as you'll remember, as Easter unfolds, the followers of Jesus are hiding in fear. They're afraid What is going to happen to us now? Are we the next ones to be arrested? And interestingly, in the gospel accounts, there are no stories of the great leaders of the church, Peter and John, stepping up and rallying the troops, saying, don't worry, it will be all right, stick in there. There's none of that. Jesus has been crucified, he suffered and was buried and they're afraid. But on that morning, that Easter morning of the third day, they begin to believe that he is risen. Stuff starts to happen. And in the days that follow, they begin to recognize in their midst the risen Jesus. And commentaries, if you're looking at that, will often contrast the difference between those downcast, fearful disciples and the disciples post-Pentecost, that's next week, where they pour out onto the streets and 5,000 are saved in a day. 
And they tr- the, the commentaries contrast that, that difference. But if we look in the gospel narrative, we see that that transformation doesn't begin at Pentecost. The transformation from fear to joy begins in the 40 days after Easter. It is time spent with the risen Jesus that transforms this group. It, it's, what, it's that 40 days with Jesus that transforms them. They go from fear and uncertainty to worshipping Jesus publicly. So think of them hiding in the upper room in fear to our reading today where they see Jesus ascend to heaven and they return to, to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple, no longer in the upper room, continually in the temple blessing God. For me, ascension is theologically important because the events of the ascension, in those events, the early church saw the full extent of the reconciliation between God and creation that had been achieved, that is achieved through the life, the death, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. Remember the resurrected Jesus is transformed. The resurrected Jesus is not recognized immediately by the women in the garden. The resurrected Jesus is not immediately recognized by the disciples on the road to Emmaus. This resurrected Jesus miraculously appears amongst the disciples at various times, whether they're in a locked room or anywhere else. But while that resurrected Jesus is transformed, he is still like us, he is still human, he is still Mary's son. And that is the Jesus who we see ascending into heaven. The ascension completes the incarnation. It's the full stop at the end. At the very beginning of the story, the Holy Spirit descends. The angel speaks God's message to Mary. And at the end of the incarnational story of Jesus, Mary's child returns to heaven. That's the circle of the narrative. There's no body now in the tomb. Nor at the ascension is the physical body of Jesus, Mary's son, left discarded. One of the early theologians of the church, Gregory of Nazianzus, wrote this about the assumption in the 4th century. He wrote, What has not been assumed has not been healed. It is what is united to his divinity that is saved. What's not been assumed has not been healed. It is what is united to his divinity that is saved. And what is united at the ascension to Jesus' divinity when Mary's son goes to heaven? Humanity. His humanness. The ascension is important because it points to a truth about what is redeemed through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the ascension narrative shows us that at the finale, at the end of the incarnation, the wholeness of the incarnate Jesus, humanity perfected, ends up sitting at the right hand of God. Human, formed of the dust of the earth, animated by the breath of God, 
ascends. That is the story. And in Jesus' ascension, the created is lifted up and the creator and the created are reconciled together. Every Sunday we gather here and we, we, we are told that we are forgiven. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. And the reality of the scope of that forgiveness is proclaimed in the ascension of Jesus into heaven. The ascension truth is that no part of us, no part of our lives, no attitude, no habit, no unforgiveness is left behind. It is all healed. It is all fixed. It is all reconciled. It is all forgiven. And we see it in the ascension of Jesus. And that lifting up, that at one with God that's proclaimed by Jesus' ascension, is proclaimed by our words and our actions as we participate in the Holy Communion here, Sunday after Sunday, as a central part of our shared life, the shared life of God's people in this place. Remember in the words that you'll hear, Jesus said, do this, because he commanded us to remember. Now, the antonym of remember is usually forget. But when we think about the Eucharist and we think about the ascension, we need to think of the antonym of remember, in this case is dismember. Because remembering is bringing back together those things which have been torn apart. And so we enact a liturgy of remembering, of coming together with each other and with God. The joining, the rejoining that is prefigured in the in the ascension is our enactment here. We lift up ourselves. Remember the words, lift up your hearts, says the priest who celebrated in the Eucharist. Lift up your hearts, and we answer, we will lift them up to the Lord. This whole Eucharistic moment is a lifting up. It's the anaphora. We lift ourselves up. But that lifting of us in this moment is through the agency of our offering what earth has given and human hands have made, in offering the bread and wine that are brought to the altar, we lift it up to God, and through the action of the Holy Spirit, they and we are transformed into the means of our participation in the remembering, the bringing back together what has been dismembered. So, together, as we share in Holy Communion, we both remember the ascension of Jesus and we enact our participation in the same. In Colossians um, in the 1, uh, 19 and 20, Paul writes this about Jesus. In our New Revised Standard Bible, which is what we read out of here, um, says, it writes it like this. Uh, Colossians 1, 19. For in him... All the fullness of God, that's Jesus, and Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether in earth or in heaven, 
Now, sometimes when I'm reading a scripture, I'll go grab another translation. And one I like to use sometimes is I go look at the message, which is a paraphrase that sometimes tells the same thing in a slightly different way that kind of freshens it up for me. And, and this is how the message translation um, records the words of Colossians 1, 19 and 20. Everything of God finds its proper place in Jesus without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things and animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. That's remembering. The ascension, that which has not been assumed has not been healed. It is what is united to his divinity that is saved. The ascension narrative proclaims that no part of us, no part of our lives, no attitude, no habit, no unforgiveness is left behind. When Jesus, with Jesus, it is all lifted up and remembered. And every Sunday, we remember that.